Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to another Technical Thursday. I do want to make an advert, and I think I can do that since uh, I'm on every day with you, but we've got our Ministry Leadership Conference this coming Saturday at Benoni Bible Church. Registration starts from 8 o'clock. If you would like to come to that, you're welcome to email me at pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. There is a sign-up way of doing that. We also have some breakaway sessions for ladies, at, um, and that's a whole-day affair. We have the... Um, a lunch as well and so what a joy we've got some wonderful speakers that are coming through so you're welcome if you would like to be part of the ministry leadership conference at Benoni Bible Church you're most welcome to come along and also we are rolling that out to KZN this year as well and so the next week we'll be having that in Cape Town as well as in KZN and so we look forward to the Ministry Leadership Conference this year as we focus on ministry by the Holy Spirit. So that's the, the topic of the Ministry Leadership Conference this year. Again, I'm Rocky Stevenson, pastor of Benoni Bible Church, and welcome to Let's Talk Today, the 29th of February. And here we are on a leap year as well, so I know that there's some leap year babies. Happy birthday to you. It's nice to be the youngest people in society. And so happy birthday to anybody who has their birthday on the 29th of February. I know you've been waiting about four years for this day. So greetings once more. Today we embark again into a deep dive into the intersection of logic and theology. We unravel the theological perspectives on logic and its profound implications on our understanding, in particular of the nature of God. There's actually sometimes an illogical logic, if that makes sense. And that's where, <laughs> that's where faith comes in. <clears throat> where we we believe what God has said and we go according to what God teaches us in his word. And logic serves as this divine appointed tool for exploring the depths of theology. And Proverbs 2 verse 6 reminds us that for Yahweh gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and discernment. So how does logic intersect with theology? And what biblical insight does it offer us into the divine attributes of God? If we have to think about the theological implications even of God's nature for a moment, we have to think through this in a logical way. But oftentimes we need to come at it from the angle of what does God's word say? And I will take what God's word says. So let's delve into the biblical and logical foundations of God's nature. If we think about God's divine omniscience, what a glorious mystery this is. The logic unveils the theological depths of God's omniscience. That means he knows everything about everything. As Psalm 147 verse 5 as well as Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10 provide the biblical foundations for understanding the logical coherence of God's all-encompassing knowledge. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord, and abundant in power. His discernment is infinite. And, and then Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10 says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My counsel will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. The omniscience of God is such a marvelous mystery, which we accept even in a logical sense, according to the scriptures, because of what God has told us. If we explore the logical consistency of God's om omnipotence, 
I mean, even if you think about now his all-powerful elements, another mystery which we accept logically based on what the Scriptures teach us. There's a logical consistency regarding the omnipotence of God. That is, he is all-powerful. So not all, not only is he all-knowing, but he's absolutely all-powerful. And Jeremiah 32 verse 17 and Matthew 19 25 guide us as we think through this. Listen to Jeremiah 32 17. Ah, Lord Yahweh, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Isn't that glorious? When you think about the fact that it is God by his outstretched arm that made the heavens and the earth, is there anything in all of the world that is actually too difficult for God? Of course not. He's all-powerful. Matthew nineteen twenty-six says, And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Talking about salvation. How amazing is God that he is the God of salvation. He is the one that makes it possible for man to come into union with God, for us to be reconciled, though our sins were as, as red as scarlet, he has washed them as white as snow. Well, let's think then also about logic and the triunity of God. And and part of the reason that I'm even bringing this to us is that some of these things, actually, you can't properly wrap your mind around. Yet God has given us a logical illogicality, if that makes sense. And that's where faith interjects with logic, where we take God's word at what his word says. We say, God has said it. That's enough for me. Even if I can't properly wrap my mind around these concepts, God has said it. And because God has said it, I will believe it. And that faith drives our actions. And God is pleased by a faith that drives us towards obedience and towards trust in God. One of the reasons that anybody sins at all is because of that lack of trust in God, that lack of belief, that lack of taking God at his word. Now listen to just the idea of the triunity of God. And I purposefully use the word triunity instead of the word trinity. I think triunity is a better word for explaining the triunity of God. This is such a cornerstone in Christian theology. In fact, I think many systematic theology books would do well with starting with the doctrine of God. Many systematic theology books actually start with the the doctrine of the scriptures. And I understand that because scripture does Need, you need to have a proper doctrine on the scriptures to be able to understand anything else. But without God, you have nothing. Even the very beginning of the Bible starts with, in the beginning, God. You know, that's the very start point of Genesis 1 verse 1. And without God, you have no scriptures. You have no word without God giving us the word, without God speaking, without God actually creating the world by, by his word. But there's necess- this idea of this cornerstone of Christian theology, the triunity of God, necessitates us having careful, logical exploration of this. There's a coherence regarding the Trinity, the triunity of God. This logic also aids in unraveling the biblical coherence of the fact that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Three persons, one essence. You think of passages like Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
You're immersing people. That's that word baptizo. You're immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. Or John 14, verse 16 to 17, as that contributes to the biblical and logical exploration of the triunity of God, where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate and that he may be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. You know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I mean, what a glorious promise regarding the Holy Spirit. And there you've got the Son asking the Father regarding the Holy Spirit, who already abides with the disciples of Jesus, at that moment that Jesus, because remember, Jesus is filled with the Spirit of God, and he is led by the Spirit of God. And he, even at his baptism, received the, 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 that, that visible sign of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on him. And his ministry was absolutely permeated with the Spirit of God. So he was abiding with the disciples, but he would now be, be in the disciples. There would be the indwelling of the Spirit of God that would take place at Pentecost. So there's logic that interjects with our theological views. If we think about logic also in theological debates, this is an important concept. Biblical and logical reasoning are indispensable in addressing theological debates and discussions. When you think about apologetics, about the reasoning of our faith, being able to give a reason, being able to show the world the hope that is in us, logic plays a massive part. And if we even think about how logic is is biblically employed in addressing theological disputes. In Isaiah 1 verse 18, it invites us to, and God invites us actually, to reason together. I think that's just amazing that God would say to man, come and reason with me. And it also showcases the capability of faith and logic and logical inquiry to biblically reason. That's vital in navigating these complex theological issues. Listen to Isaiah 1 18 to 20. <coughs> Come now and let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. But what does God say there? Come, let's reason together. Let's let's commune. Let's think through this. Let's have a logical way of dealing. So even as we conclude on this subject, let's appreciate the biblical and technical nuances of the connection between logic and theology. Logic grounded in the wisdom of God serves as a tool to unravel the theological mysteries surrounding the nature of God. Our exploration then enhances our understanding of the divine through the lens of both faith and reason. God has given you and I a mind. He intends that we would use our mind. He intends that we would be reasonable. He intends that we would renew the spirit of our mind by his word. He intends that we would hide his word in our hearts, that we would not sin against him. He intends that we would meditate upon his word day and night. He intends that we would be a reasoning people towards our great God. 
He has made us with a soul. He has made us relational. He has made us to be unique in our own personhood and to be able to interact with our great creator. Isn't it marvelous that you and I were created to walk with God, to commune with God, to worship God? All of this takes place in the inner man, inside of the heart of an individual, inside of the emotions of an individual, as we are engaged in the full personhood before God. How sad it is in our day that so often we would look at the world around us, and mankind does this, they look at the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. We think that life is just physical and life is just outside, but the real life that God is after is the life of the heart, that inner person, the mind, the reasoning, the thoughts, the emotions, the will. Will you this day choose to commune with God, to take that step um, where there's almost an illogical logicalness? God has said it. That's enough for me. I will believe him. I will take him at his word and I will do what he calls me to do. This is the call that God has for you and me. If you ever want to email me, you're welcome to do that at pastatbenonibiblechurch.co.za. May the Lord bless you this day as you think through this uh, interjection between logic and theology. Amen.